Welcome to First Baptist Church in Belton. We are glad you found us. We seek to know Jesus intimately, serve Jesus passionately, and share Jesus globally together. Thank you so much for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. It's good to see you this morning. I want to invite you to open your Bibles to Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. We'll begin reading here in just a moment in verse 18, beginning in verse 18, Acts chapter 20. And we'll read there here in just a moment. I want you to consider this morning, this, this question, how would you end this sentence? I would consider my life well spent if only. How would you complete that sentence? I would consider my life well spent if only what? If only I got a job and kept it. If only I provided for my family. If only I saved enough for retirement and can live a healthy retirement. If only I get married. If only I stay married. If only I help as many people as possible. If only everybody that I met liked me. If only I finally got that dream home or checked off the lists off my bucket list, the items on my bucket list. How would you complete that sentence? I would consider my life well spent if only what? The world would finish that sentence a lot of different ways, some of which I just shared. But as a follower of Jesus, I want to know more than anything how Jesus would complete that sentence. Because that's the only answer that matters. It doesn't matter if we think our life is well spent, if in God's eyes we wasted our life. And as we look at the life of Paul in Acts chapter 20 here in just a moment, God doesn't leave us wondering what a life well spent looks like. You know as well as I do, at one point, Paul was wasting his life. He was persecuting the church. He was killing Christians. And then he encountered the risen Lord Jesus, and everything changed. By grace, the Lord turns Paul's life into a life well spent for Jesus and for his kingdom. As we look at chapter 20, we'll, we'll look at most of the chapter, chapter together, but our focus is really verses 18 through 24. And as we look at this, I want us to consider what is it that drives Paul? What fills his heart? What determines Paul's course? What is it that keeps him going? And I think what we'll see is a life well spent. So let's stand for the reading of God's word together. Acts chapter 20, beginning in verse 18. So Paul is speaking to the Ephesian elders at this moment. And when they came to him, the elders that is, Paul said to them, You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility 
and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I'm going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and affliction await me. But I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. This is God's word. All of it is true and all of it is for our good. You may be seated. So as we focus our attention on verses 18 through 24 and other sections of chapter 20. What is a life well spent that we see from Paul? I want to give you four characteristics of a life well spent. Four characteristics of a life well spent. The first characteristic is this. A life well spent is constrained by the Holy Spirit. Constrained by the Holy Spirit. This is the language that Paul uses in verse 22. He says, behold, I'm going to Jerusalem constrained by the spirit. If you look back at the beginning of verse of chapter 20, starting in verse one, you begin to see all of these places that Paul traveled to, to proclaim the gospel. And then he's now going to go to Jerusalem. Why all the travel? Why the haste to Jerusalem? One could make the case that Paul wants Jerusalem to hear the gospel again. You could also make the case based on Romans 15, 22 through 32, that Paul wants to finish out giving the collection to the poor in Jerusalem. But in and beneath those good reasons, the spirit is leading Paul. The spirit is constraining Paul. He is he is determining the course that Paul will go on. From city to city, from place to place. And so my question for you this morning is this. By the way you live your life, would anyone characterize you as a person constrained by the Holy Spirit? Are you taken over and led by the Spirit? Do the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Do those fruits of the Spirit captivate you? Or would others say you're constrained by nearly all the same things as the world? That the power leading you isn't someone greater than you as much as it is the lure of entertainment. The hunger for recognition. The love of money, the desire for comfort, the daily grind, the tyranny of the urgent, or whatever the latest controversy is on your social media account. Who or what steers you or steers your course? 
The Spirit compelled Paul on the mission. He, he led Paul from place to place, and Paul obeyed and went where the Spirit led him. Nothing mattered to Paul more than doing what God revealed by the Spirit. And likewise, nothing should matter more to us than doing what the Holy Spirit reveals. Now, he may not say specifically Jerusalem or Rome or this particular place or, or this particular one. But he's very plain about how we follow Jesus anywhere we are, no matter what circumstances we face. And so we spend our lives well if only we honor the Spirit's leadership in our life and obey Him. Characteristic number two of a life well spent. A life well spent is one consumed with the gospel. Consumed with the gospel. Paul is consumed with sharing the gospel with others. If you look back in the, in the text in verse 24, this is his, this is his race course. This is what drives him. It's the ministry he received from the Lord Jesus. He says to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. As long as Paul runs the race of making God's kingdom and God's grace known, it is a well spent life. You can see in the text in verse 20. Paul doesn't shrink from declaring that which is profitable. In verse 21, he testifies to both Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in Christ Jesus. If you continue looking at it, he teaches in public. He also goes from house to house. Paul shares with all kinds of people, doesn't matter their ethnicity, their social background or class, doesn't matter who they are, male or female. It doesn't matter. Paul shares the gospel. You can also see, if you look back at verse 1 of chapter 20, Paul also shares the gospel and the ongoing encouragement of believers. Verse 1 says, After the uproar ceased, Paul sent for the disciples, and after encouraging them, he said farewell. This is amazing, by the way. If you look back at chapter 19, what just took place were riots against Paul. So if there's anyone who needs encouragement at this moment, it would be Paul. But he's focused on the well-being of others. He pursues their encouragement. He does the same in verse 2, encouraging the disciples in Macedonia. Paul is encouraging them to continue in the faith And through the teaching and encouragement of the scriptures that they might have hope in the resurrected Jesus. Paul's ministry of encouragement was rooted in the gospel of grace. We can also see how consumed with the gospel he was in at Troas. Look at, look, look at verse, beginning in verse seven with me. This is a great story, but a terrible church service. You have this story of a young man named Eutychus. There's two problems here. Number one, his name is Eutychus. Right? Number two, 
Paul is preaching and it, and the text tells us that Paul's preaching late into the night. Why? Because he's leaving the next morning. And so Paul is going to pack it all in. Makes me wonder how long I should go this morning. But he's going to pack it all in. So the second problem is not only his name, but the second problem is Eutychus is sitting in a window seal, listening to Paul. And the scripture tells us that as Paul continues to teach and proclaim the gospel, Eutychus falls into a deep sleep like some of you. And Eutychus, as he falls into a deep sleep, falls three floors, three stories down to his death. This is not a good church service. And the scripture tells us that as Paul was teaching and proclaiming the gospel, that Paul then goes over to Eutychus and lays himself upon Eutychus. Brings him back to life. So this is an amazing thing. Paul teaches long into the night. Sleep overtakes Eutychus. He falls out of the window three stories and dies. This is awful. Paul runs down, falls upon the young man. What God is doing here is he's authenticating Paul's prophetic role with this miracle. Not to mention how this miracle links him with Jesus and Peter, who also restored others to life. Paul falls upon the young man, taking him into his arms. Don't be alarmed. His life is in him. Verse 12 of chapter 20 says the church is really encouraged by this. Who wouldn't be, right? If we can serve a God who can give life to the dead, then he can sustain us. He can handle our church. God is at work here. Jesus is alive and and powerful. He's bringing a kingdom where death will be no more. Encouragement. They're encouraged by this. But I want you to notice the focus. Look at verse 11. Immediately after Paul restores Eutychus. He was dead. Now he's alive. Verse 11 says this. And when Paul had gone up and had broken bread and eaten, he conversed with them a long while until daybreak and so departed. It's so matter of fact, isn't it? No fireworks, no fanfare. I mean, you can almost see Paul or hear Paul, right? He's preaching about the gospel and proclaiming the um, from Isaiah or wherever he's teaching from the scriptures. Eutychus falls out of the window, dead. He rushes over there, lays himself upon him. He's back to life. As I was saying in Isaiah, I mean, it's just so matter of fact. Why? Because Paul was consumed with the gospel. He knew he didn't have time to waste. He knew that he was leaving in the morning and he needed to, to make sure that they understood and that they learned and that they knew from the, learned from the scriptures. They're not going to see him again. He's got to finish what he wants to say. And by doing so, after restoring Eutychus, we see the priority given to the word of God's grace. A well-spent life is consumed with the gospel. Don't get me wrong. Not all of us are commissioned to the same exact role God entrusted to Paul. 
But all of us must be given over to the gospel and its advancement in the world somehow. Jesus says very clearly, go and make disciples of all nations. First Corinthians says to imitate Paul's ways in Christ. Ephesians says to put on the armor of God. Two pieces of that armor being the gospel of peace and the word of God. These are the weapons of our offensive strike. We run to tell others the good news of Jesus. If you truly know God's grace in Jesus Christ, it's hard not to be consumed with it. There's no better news. There's nothing better to talk about. There's no greater or more rewarding cause to give yourself to. But it starts with prizing the gospel yourself. It starts with being amazed that once you stood as an enemy of God, once you stood condemned and without hope before God, God chose to love you and to send His Son to die in your place and to rise again. This is the greatest news that we can share and to give our life to. And when your heart is full of that grace, it goes out to your family, it goes to your neighbors, it goes to your workplace, it goes to your friends, and it goes to the nations. And so my question this morning is when is the last time you shared the gospel with someone? I'm not asking when did you wear a Christian t-shirt or a piece of jewelry with a cross on it or even inviting someone to come to church, although those are good things. What I'm asking this morning is when is the last time you opened your mouth and you verbally talked to someone about the grace of God in Christ Jesus? When is it? Each of us is called to make disciples and to do whatever it takes to advance the kingdom of God. Whatever it takes. Church, let's not do that which costs little when we're dealing with the souls of people. Rather, let us sacrificially and joyfully go and give so that others may taste and see that He is good. We spend our lives well if only we give ourselves completely to the advancement of the gospel. Thirdly, a life well spent is obedient even in suffering. It's obedient even in suffering. We already saw at the beginning of chapter 20 and verse 1 that uh, it recalls the riot against Paul in Ephesus. You can see in verse 3, the Jew, it says that the Jews made a plot against Paul after three months in Greece. In verse 19, Paul says he served the Lord with tears and with trials that happened to him through the plots of the Jews. Paul's life is marked by suffering in the path of obedience. And it's not going to get any easier. Look with me in verse 22. Paul says, And now behold, I'm going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Holy Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except 
that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. Here we discover that this this course will lead Paul through more suffering and more affliction. It will involve imprisonment, pain, discouragement, suffering. That is, as long as he keeps running the race. Can you, can you hear the world or maybe even the church persuading Paul differently? Paul, if you know that affliction and, and suffering's coming, don't go. Why would you do that, Paul? Haven't you done enough? Couldn't you give your life to something else that, sure, it would bring glory to God. Come on, Paul. You don't need to go. Why would you give yourself to that? Surely there's greater things. Surely there's something else, Paul. Are you, are you sure, Paul, you're listening to the Holy Spirit? You sure it's Him telling you to go? Isn't there something more safe that wouldn't cost you your life? Paul, stop being so serious about eternity all the time. We must count the cost here, my friends. Our race isn't Paul's race exactly, but we can't get around John fifteen twenty that says a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. Or Second Timothy three twelve, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Will be persecuted. Or 1 Peter 2.21 For to this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you leaving you an example so that you might follow in His steps. The path of obedience to Christ leads through suffering and persecution. And if we're going to finish the race we have to be content when the race leads through suffering. And I'm not meaning some kind of stoic attitude of keep calm and just carry on no contentment in suffering rises from the relationship we share in jesus and the words that we know are true in him i'm not talking about uh, contentment from self-sufficiency i'm talking about contentment from christ's sufficiency it comes from knowing that jesus is with us and that he'll never leave us or forsake us It comes from knowing our sufferings aren't meaningless. It comes from resurrection hope. It comes from knowing that the reward is better. The reward of Christ is better. I want you to listen to the words of Paul in 2 Timothy 4, 6-8. through Listen to these words. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And here's the reward. Listen, 
Henceforth, there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness with which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. The reward is greater. I'm going to give my life to the cause of Christ. The reward of Jesus is better. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Church, these are your, these realities are yours in Christ Jesus. And they fuel obedience to Jesus when times are good and when times are going to be difficult. We spend our lives well if only we surrender and gladly obey Christ, even in suffering and persecution. Finally, number four, a well-spent life treasures Jesus more than life. Treasures Jesus more than life in this world. This entire sermon is around verse 24. Paul knows suffering is coming. We've just saw that. But what keeps him in the race? What keeps him going? Look at what he says in verse 24. I do not account my life of any value. Or is precious to myself. I do not account my life. Of any value. Or is precious to myself. If only I may finish. My course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus. To testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Here's what Paul's saying in that moment. He's saying, if I weigh my life in this world over against Jesus and the race he set before me, Jesus' side is infinitely more valuable. He's so valuable. His reward is so glorious that I can lay this life down. What's affliction and imprisonment really if I can have Jesus and please him? That's what Paul's saying. What is this life? If in the end I get Jesus. This is what the way Paul thinks. I don't account my life of any value nor as precious to myself. If only. His life is valuable only as it shows Jesus to be supremely valuable. And if you're not spending your life that way. You're wasting it. No matter your age. No matter where you come from. No matter your gender. If you're not spending your life that way, you're wasting it. A well-spent life so treasures Jesus that it gladly sacrifices everything to make Him look supreme. Jesus shares a parable in Matthew chapter 13. It's one verse, verse 44. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. A treasure hidden in a field which a man found and then he covered it up. 
He finds the treasure, covers it up. And then I want you to notice what Jesus says in his next um, four words. He says, then in his joy. In his joy, not his reluctancy. Not in the debate in his mind, what can I, what can I do halfway to make sure I get this treasure? In his joy, he goes and sells everything. Everything. Not a little bit, not some. Not only the things that he wanted to get rid of. He goes and sells everything. Why? So he could go and buy that field. In his joy, he sells everything. So where's the worth? Where's the worth of the treasure displayed in that parable? It's displayed in the man selling everything to gain the treasure. The value of something is displayed by what we're willing to give in order to have that which is better. God displays the worth of Jesus when we give up everything to have Him. Even if that costs us our entire life. The value of Jesus is displayed by what you're willing to sacrifice to make Him your treasure. This is, this is why we exist. This is why you're here on this planet right now. We spend our lives well if only we treasure Jesus as infinitely more valuable than life in this world. How will you spend your life well based on what we've observed in Paul's life? We spend it well if we'll be driven first by the Holy Spirit. If we're consumed with the advancement of the gospel. If we surrender in glad obedience to Jesus, even in suffering. And if we treasure Jesus more than less life. I want you to consider the sentence we started with. I would consider my life not wasted, but well spent, if only what? I hope we can now say, my life will be well spent only if... I cherish Jesus and count faithfulness to Him better than life in this world. This is the life that you have been called to as a follower of Christ Jesus. And may we give ourselves joyfully and completely to it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for our time together this morning in your word and in song. God, I pray that in these next few moments,
you would you would help us that are followers of Jesus to keep pressing on to consider our own lives for just a moment if we're spending it for the cause of Christ or if we're wasting it if we're wasting it on some idea of an American dream or if we're wasting it in the consumption of stuff that in the end we can't take with us in the first place God show us and encourage us and challenge us as followers in this place to give everything no matter the cost to the advancement of your kingdom and to show how supremely valuable you are Lord I pray for those in here that don't know you Lord, I pray that they would know that you gave everything to bring them back to God so that they could have a relationship with you. That you willingly laid down your life on the cross so that they could have life in you. Forgiveness of sin and the joy of eternal life with you. Lord, be with us in these next few moments as we sing this song of invitation and as we listen to your Holy Spirit and reflect upon a life well spent for Jesus and his name. And it's in your glorious and wonderful name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together and sing our song of invitation. I'll be down here in the front. The altar's open. Let's listen to the Holy Spirit and do as he asks us. Thank you for listening. Please feel free to call the church at 254-939-0705 if you need prayer or if you need to talk with someone. We're here to listen, help, and encourage.